everybody. I'm Kelly Ellers. I'm Jeffrey London. And this is Volume Up by The Tease. It is. So here we are. It's officially party party season. Ooh. Have you attended any yet? Uh, not a single. No, that's not true. By the time this podcast airs, we will have had our very own. We will. Holiday party. Yes. So I have not yet, but I will. And I had a great time in advance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm manifesting an incredible experience for myself and for you. So, yeah. Yes. Thank you. But I also need to manifest um, a holiday hairstyle. Mm. And so I'm going to talk about this Vogue article where a top hairstylist breaks down three easy styles for a perfect party season look. Mm. Number one, a clean low pony. Never done it for a party. Never plan on doing it for a party. (laughs) (laughs) But that's an option. And we love an option. So for somebody else, maybe. It's an option, but it's real low maintenance. So, I mean, if that's your vibe, I'm a little more (laughs) of the high maintenance side. Sure, sure. Especially for a holiday party. But. Okay, okay. Alas. Next up, the half Shignon. This I could get behind. Love the look. It's. What do you think? A little bit more effort to your comment. Um shows maybe a little a tiny bit more care this is a little skosh yeah yeah i'm I'm into it i mean i think that this is always it's a classic look for a reason it is classic we'll give you that and it was coming out of uh louis vuitton's spring 2024 show so you know versatile easy to create Hmm. and and it says if you're feeling indecisive whether you want the full pony or a half pony pick a pick a one pick one Producer Monica here. You'd only ever say a low pony is low maintenance if you've never done one. Oh. Check out Sophia Richie's how-to on how to get a pony if you are not the same as Kelly. That is true. That's You know what? That is a very high maintenance, low pony, a high-low moment. The one in this particular article looks like it was just judged back. I was going to say. Yes. Yeah. Nothing Sophia Ritchie does is low maintenance. No, no, no. No. Let's be, let's be clear. I mean, how many (laughs) elastics and twisties? Anyway. Yeah. Yes. Excellent point. Excellent point. Producer Monica. Yes. Producer. Thank you very much for just chiming on in there. She couldn't help herself. Nope. Literally. Um, And the last (laughs) one, drum roll, please, (laughs) is the wet hair look, which couldn't be further from something on my radar. Uh, <laughs> Somewhere with wet hair? I mean... That is in my... in my. It's a no. Bones. It's a no for you. I'm not leaving the house with wet hair. Yeah. Um. I mean, but it's the look. Mm-hmm. And it's <laughs> meant to... Yeah, it, this is a tough one. I, it's a Luke, yeah. So for, for the pics, yeah. for the gram, for the talk, it makes sense. Yeah, okay. It's a vibe for a hug. But I mean, you know, it's... That's, that's, that's tough. You know... A big extreme. Low effort, low pony to the wet look. That's that's some that's a lot. Yeah. You know, that's some requires expertise. Yeah. And I think, too, the only way you'll see me at a party with a wet look is if it's raining outside and I forgot my umbrella. (laughs) Well, Vogue is not the only one that's having all the fun here. Um, Plenty of holiday hair inspo to go around, including on our Instagram. Recently, we had an Instagram live Mm -hmm. with our friends over at Olaplex. And educator Ashley Hofstrand jumped in and gave us all sorts of inspo for holiday hair, as well as how to take care of it with Olaplex products. So we love to see that. Go to the tees on Instagram and, and check out that. Head over. On our last episode, we talked with Aaron H. Maben. Aaron is a licensed cosmetologist in New York, Pennsylvania, and California. 
educator, advocate, and influential member of the NYS Appearance Enhancement Advisory Committee. As EVP of Education Development and co-founder of the Natural Hairstyle and Braid Coalition, Erin spearheads the transformation of textured hair education in both private and public sectors. Her groundbreaking initiative, Hair Steam Lab, trademarked, is an education platform that explores the science and artistry of hair using steam. Make sure you subscribe, rate, review, and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok at Read the Tees and send in questions to volume up at thetees.com. This week, we're talking with Wynne Claybaugh. Wynne Claybaugh is the founder, co-owner, and dean of Paul Mitchell Advanced Education, a franchisor of more than 100 cosmetology and or barbering schools throughout the United States. A popular seminar leader and keynote speaker, Wynne travels extensively as an educator and consultant, inspiring audiences ranging from housewives and college students to CEOs. He's helped thousands of businesses build their brands and create successful working cultures. Since 1995, Wynn has interviewed over 325 beauty and business professionals, artists, educators, and mentors for his popular master series. From 2004 to 2023, Wynn led the Paul Mitchell School Network to collectively raise over $25 million for multiple charity organizations. You know, Jeff, something that they might be teaching over at those Paul Mitchell schools mm. might be a trend that we're going to see for 24. And meow, is it ever here? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> wow. We're just like... Any ideas mm. on what it might be called? I, I mean, you you really brought me to it. So <laughs> just lay it on us. What is what is this trend? All right. It's called, it's called the kitty cut. Mm. And y'all have heard it first here. This is a trend. Mm. You know, we had the wolf, the butterfly, the jellyfish, Mm. but a new animal chop (laughs) is stealing the crown for 2024. (laughs) We're talking, according to Glamour, a mega shaggy, ultra layered style. Are you here for it, Jeff? Yes or no? I mean, I don't like a cutesy name. That's my only problem with it. Really? The cut looks great. So, I mean, Glamour says that it's described as longer than a Rachel, shorter. Mm-hmm. No, shorter than a Rachel, longer than a Bob. And that that plays to visualize it. It does. I don't I don't like kitty cut. Kitty cut is a little too cutesy. It's like a kitty cocktail, right? Yeah. Like, you know, just. I don't want that. But I do like the cut. The cut is great. I like the cut. An overgrown Bob. That's it. Let's just call a spade a spade. It's a layered Longer, Bob, yeah. a lob, if you will. Mm-hmm. We had that shoved down our throats however many years ago. <laughs> um, what's your take on it? I, I think it's cool. I'm, I'm down for it. I think it's cute. I like it. I love the mega layers. I love a little bit of a shag going back to my, you know, my shag era, if you will. Um, so I can get behind it. Let's see it. Let's see your best kitty cut. <sighs> Send it on over. <laughs> If people are asking for the kitty cut in your salon, we want to hear about it. Is this really a thing? Uh, is it going to take off or is it just something that glamours project? Which could very well be. It'll be. <laughs> <laughs> you let us know. All right. Let's talk about things that are trending on our site, shall we? Our editorial team has been hard at work this week uncovering industry news, looking into trends and diving into brands that you don't know but should. And here are some of our favorite headlines. First up, December tech touch-ups. Goodbye, November. Hello, December. Inspired by the internet world and adapted for the beauty space, check out our monthly tech touch-ups. Designed for stylists, makeup artists, estheticians, massage therapists, nail techs, and anyone in the beauty industry, we created mobile phone backgrounds to infuse a bit of fun, beauty, and new into your routine. Head to thetees.com to pick up these December designs for your phone's tech touch-up. 
you know yep. the question. I do. There's a few of them. Which one are you downloading? Lay it on us. You know, because I live in the icy sort of weather, I'm not going to download <laughs> those because I need a pick-me-up. So I'm going to go monochromatic and you're going to have to head over to thetease.com to check out just what I'm talking about. That's that's the best one, <laughs> in my opinion. So good call. Good call. And again, if you are over on thetease.com, you know what we're talking about. Check that one out. All right. Next up on the tease, it's that time of year. We've already established it. We're going to holiday parties. We are buying gifts. Mm -hmm. Therefore, makes perfect sense that we bring you one of our gift guides. This one called These 14 Hair Tools and Gadgets are the perfect gifts for your favorite hair pros. You can go and look that one up. I'll give you a teaser. Let's go. When it comes to finding the perfect gift for the hair pros in your life, you generally can't go wrong with hair tools and gadgets. A good hot tool or a hairbrush is a gift that keeps on giving and can ensure great hair days for years to come for not only a pro's clients, but also for themselves. And there are so many gadgets and gizmos aplenty, LOL, <laughs> on the market at just about every price point for every hairstyling need or concern. We know that it can be difficult to decide which tools are totally worthwhile for everyone in your list. And to help you out, we've rounded up 14 of our favorite hair tools and gadgets to give us gifts, including high-performance blow dryers, innovative curling irons, high-quality brushes, and so, so much more. Head to these.com to see and shop these picks. So look, we want people to go to the tees and check this out because it's great. And our editors have vetted these products and they're wonderful. Mm -hmm. So we're not going to spoil all of them, but I would be okay with you maybe speaking to one item that you'd want to wake up to on Christmas morning. Or better yet, for the pro in your life, your mom, who we've discussed many a time on this very podcast, what would she like among these picks? Oh, you know, she's always down for a new pair of shears. So I'm going to go ahead and go with the Sanvia Streamlined Series shear because anything Mr. Via touches, we know, is golden. <laughs> Perfect. All right. And last but certainly not least, uh, another trend story, uh, and this time hair color. The article is called The Barcode Hair Trend is Putting a Fresh Spin on an Iconic Early 2000s Hairstyle. The early 2000s were full of pop-punk-inspired hair looks, including Avril Lavigne's once signature raccoon hair streaks. We all remember that look. We do. <laughs> <laughs> Although this iconic Y2K style has been aligned with beauty rule-bending and rebellion, recently at Paris Fashion Week, we witnessed it take on a new, sophisticated shape. Hairstylist Olivier Schalwalder added an extra layer of cool to the Kiko Kostinov Spring 2024 show with hair that resembled barcodes. The hairstyles were chic and memorable, possibly predicting a resurgence of an early 2000s emo hair trend. Head to thetc.com to see more iterations of this updated 2000s style. So look, we literally just went through a micro trend. This kitty cut thing <laughs> is a barcode hair trend something you want to see more of? Or is this something that you're fine with being in editorial fashion and leaving there? You know, I mean, Adriana, our social media editor, definitely had the barcode. She did. She has the barcode and she is rocking it. So, you know, I've got that experience. I really like some of these in this article, which you need to check out. Um, so I'm here for it. I, I think I think I like the subtle, subtle barcode. The subtle one. We don't need to go back to the Avril Lavigne, <laughs> whatever that was. Why you got to make things so complicated? Um, oh, yeah. We don't. Mm -hmm. We yeah, don't. You did. We don't. You we just don't. did that. Yeah, I did. As always, so much going on over at thetees.com. Thank you to our hardworking editors. We are proud to publish stories that salon pros and consumers care about. 
Next up, Jeff's conversation with the one, the only, Win Claybaugh. Wynn Claybaugh is the founder, co-owner, and dean of Paul Mitchell Advanced Education, a franchisor of more than 100 cosmetology and or barbering schools throughout the United States. The young company was ranked three years in a row, 2006 to 2008, in the top 10 of Franchise Time Magazine's Fast 55, a ranking of the fastest growing young franchises, and is repeatedly ranked in the top 50 and earned best in category in Franchise Business Review's Franchisee Satisfaction Awards. A popular seminar leader and keynote speaker, Wynn travels extensively as an educator and consultant, inspiring audiences ranging from housewives and college students to CEOs. He has been the national motivational expert for Paul Mitchell, a frequent speaker at every major beauty industry event, and a speaker at the 2017 California Women's Conference. He has helped thousands of businesses build their brands and create successful working cultures. His clients have included Southwest Airlines, The Irvine Company, Vidal Sassoon, Entertainment Tonight, Mattel, For Rent Magazine, and many other businesses from hospitals to apartment communities. Since 1995, Wynn has interviewed over 325 beauty and business professionals, artists, educators, and mentors for his popular Masters series. Now available on all major podcast platforms, Masters by Wynn Claybaugh has more than 1 million podcast downloads. Wynn is also a featured contributor to online publications that reach millions of subscribers and a popular guest on national podcasts and radio shows. He currently serves on the board of directors for three nonprofit organizations, Bright Pink, Beauty Changes Lives, and the Andrew Gomez Dream Foundation, which he co-founded. From 2004 to 2023, Wynn led the Paul Mitchell School Network to collectively raise over $25 million for multiple charitable organizations, such as Lisa's Care Connection, Children's Miracle Network Hospitals, Larry King Cardiac Foundation, Habitat for Humanity, Boys and Girls Clubs, and many more. Wynn, welcome to the Volume Up Podcast. It is a thrill to have you here. How's it going? Uh, it's my thrill. Actually, I think I sort of invited myself to be a part of your podcast. I, you know, I, we, we, we make things happen. I never wait for the phone to ring. So, so thanks for taking my call. We are very glad to have done so. Um, let's get into it. So how did you stumble into the beauty industry? We've got a ton of guests on this podcast. They come at it from all different angles. I want to hear, how did you first get involved with, with beauty? Well, it's been uh, over 40 years now for me. And the main thing I want people to know is that I'm not a hairdresser. I've never been a hairdresser. Mm -hmm. um, I, I started again 40 years ago. Most people <laughs> weren't even born yet who are listening to this. I never went to college, not one day of college. I barely, and I mean barely, graduated from high school. Mm. Apparently, they want you to show up. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I told them I was busy. <laughs> you know, but the cool thing about the beauty industry is that nobody's ever held me back. Exactly. I, I've never had anybody say, well, you're not qualified for that. Mm. I don't even have the license that the majority of people in the beauty industry have, and yet nobody's ever said, well, you're not qualified or because you don't have the education or the, the the knowledge or the degrees or the license that you're not qualified and you can't do this. Um, which is, by the way, I tell that to everybody about the beauty industry. You're going to love this industry because of the opportunities that are that are coming your way. Ugh, that I mean, could not have been better said. Uh, that is absolutely the case. Beauty industry is wide open for people to make of it what they want, which is exciting, scary, all of the things. Um, so you came at it from a sort of different way. We, we talked about this. You're not a licensed pro. However, deeply, decades deep involved in this space, um, particularly in the area of education. So as an entrepreneur, how, how the heck did you think like, I'm going to open, which we'll get to in a second, a bunch of schools. Like, was that in getting through high school? You're like, ah, this is the op. How, how did that come to be? 
You know, I had uh, friends that were in the in the industry. I had some money that I wanted to invest in some type of a business. Mm. They were hairdressers, talked me into opening up a salon. My first salon uh, was like the size of this closet that I'm sitting in right now. <laughs> uh, it was three chairs. It was it was located in a basement of a of an office building. My rent was two hundred and five dollars a month. I mean, I remember all of this very very clearly forty years ago, but. We immediately started attracting incredible team members. Uh, we had fun with each other. We vacationed with each other. We hung out with each other. We kind of grew up with each other, which, by the way, is the opening lines of why it's important to create a great culture mm. that people want to belong to. But it's because we started off that way that all of a sudden we expanded into a second location and then a third location very, very quickly. And what was happening was to hire the talent to work in these salons. I'm interviewing people that right out of beauty school, because yep. I believed in that, giving people that opportunity right out of beauty school. And after spending a year or more in school, they were not at all ready to compete in the salon industry. So we thought that the best way to train them would be to train them ourselves. And that's when I got into the school side of, of the industry. Uh, so, Wynn, talk to us a little bit about that. Um, we on this podcast have addressed issues with beauty school. Um, you've just sort of walked right into that one um, and talked about how you built something that responded. So, so what were the things that you were seeing? How were people ill-equipped when they were graduating? Well, just just the whole model of what beauty school meant that many years ago. Uh, it was shampoo set old ladies. Now, I love old ladies and we absolutely <laughs> embrace them and take good care of them and and do all sorts of things. But uh, I could I could be in front of a thousand hairdressers and ask them, how many of you learned how to cut hair after you graduated from beauty school? And almost every hand would go up. Mm -hmm. Yet they're not learning that skill set, let alone the business side I mean, the, and the culture side and the retail side of what it takes to be a success in this industry. And so something as simple as change the clientele that comes into uh, a beauty school. And I'm I'm kind of embarrassed for saying this, but I've made up for it. Um, I purposely put my school on the second floor without an elevator. And I'm again, I'm embarrassed to say this now, but I did that so that the old ladies couldn't get up to my school. Mm. So what we did was we marketed to uh, the local college mm -hmm. uh, near near a major university. And so the, the majority of the clientele that came into that school uh, came from the college. And, and of course they want the latest and they're on a college budget. And so they were looking for a beauty school, at, uh -huh. especially a beauty school that didn't look like a laundromat. And I, I, I say that jokingly, <laughs> but yeah, most beauty schools back then, they, they, they hadn't painted their walls in 40 years. They hadn't upgraded or trained their teams in 40 years. Uh, the, the students were dressed in, in scrubs. I never understood that. Why are they dressed like nursing uh, students rather than professional hairdressers. And so we just upgraded that and changed that. And then because I had no background and no business experience, I knew that I had to tap into lots and lots of resources. And so I started inviting the best of the best heroes and, and leaders in the beauty industry to come in and, and spend time in my school. I mean, I, I was just with Van Council a couple of weeks ago. You know, Van, how famous is that man right now? You know, artistic director with into Kofur and travels the world and a successful Solano. Mm -hmm. I, let me tell you something. He was flying to my school from Atlanta to Provo, Utah, 40 years ago to recruit my students. And believe it or not, I had students that would graduate and move to Atlanta to go working for him. Wow. But I knew back then I got to start tapping into the incredible talent in this industry. Ugh, ugh. 
such, I mean, thank you for walking us through that because I think that there's people that maybe don't have that sort of holistic view of what this industry has been, how far it's come, obviously much more to be done. Um, but again, yourself and other innovators that have made big changes, so important. Uh, well, it's that belief system that if you want something done right, you have to do it yourself. That's the worst advice. And, and for me, that wasn't even an option. I couldn't do it myself because I, again, I'm not a hairdresser. Yep. I had no business education, no college education. I, I absolutely had to rely on the brilliance of other people. Collaboration is a very beautiful thing. And if you think that you're supposed to do everything by yourself, I feel sorry for you. Mm. If you're the most talented person working in your salon, I feel sorry for you because that means you're going to be forced to work six days a week, 12 hour days. A smart person knows how to collaborate and bring out the best in other people. Ugh. Well, speaking of collaboration, um, longstanding collaboration with Paul Mitchell. So how did this first linking up happen? Obviously you've co-founded the Paul Mitchell Advanced Education. How did this come to be? Bring us into the fold, please. So I was already a school owner mm -hmm. for a good, I don't know, 15 years. And the Paul Mitchell company was hiring me to train their people. And so I was, a, or I still am a speaker, <laughs> yeah. uh, but you know, I was a speaker before I was a speaker, you know, it was now I'm just finally getting paid for it, you know, but I was telling people uh, many years ago that I was a motivational speaker. I wasn't yet, but I told them that I was because, you know, I tell the truth in advance. So uh, <laughs> they started hiring me. That's relatable. And sending me all over the country, all over the world. Uh, and, but when it came time in the Paul Mitchell a product company to get into the school business, which was a goal of theirs. I mean, we found videotapes of of the man, Paul Mitchell himself, saying one day we're going to own beauty schools. Mm -hmm. And so when it finally came time for them to do that, there I was already traveling around for them, uh, already an award-winning school in Provo, Utah. That's what I say. If, if we can make it work in Provo, Utah, you know, Chicago should be pretty easy, right? And so uh, John Paul, because I was already right there, approached me, said, why don't we become business partners? And I think our our goal was to to open up seven schools. And now we have 110. So incredible. Something happened. Something exploded. <laughs> something, something along the way. Uh, it sounds like you guys know what you're up to. Um, as co-owner, what values or principles do you guys believe have contributed to this explosion? Uh, because again, it doesn't happen you know, by accident that seven becomes 100. You know, that's a that's a loaded question and I have lots and lots of answers, but let me give you this one. Um, it's It has always been our core value that we have to give back mm. because all of us are consumers. Everybody listening to this, we consume. We consume air. Yes. We consume water. We consume trees. Oh, and by the way, we consume the paychecks of our customers that come into our salons or barbershops. Well, we have to be contributors. Mm. We have to give back. And so it's always been part of the culture. You know, John Paul and Paul Mitchell tell the story of not being able to pay their own bills. And yet they were already actively involved in supporting different causes that they were passionate about. And they've continued with that. And from day one with our Paul Mitchell schools, you know, we had one or two schools and yet we were already involved in raising money. And I'm proud to say we've just finished our, our 20th year anniversary of fundraising and uh, to date, we are at over $25 million. Incredible. Incredible. Um, so important. Uh, and again, back to what we talked about at the top of this call, uh, what the beauty industry can represent. I mean, you can make it these things. It can it can be as as big and beautiful as as, as you want. And I tell you something funny about that. Yeah. Is, uh, 
You know, so in the past, and $25 million, we've given a million dollars to the Gary Sinise Foundation. We're building clean water wells in, in all over the world. Uh, we have donated $700,000 in the fight of sex trafficking. I mean, all kinds of different causes, uh, best friends, animal society, all kinds of different causes. And along the way, we partnered with some incredible celebrities. And this is where it gets kind of cool. You know, people come to me, it's like, when you're, you're working with Betty White, you're working with Dolly Parton. Like how did, how did that happen? Did you, did you call their manager? No. Cause if you call the manager of a celebrity, what's their job to say? No, Miss, Miss White is not available. Miss, yep. Miss Parton is too busy. <laughs> how did I get to Betty White and Dolly Parton? Through their hairdresser. Mm-hmm. You call the hairdresser. Hairdressers make things happen. And I just wanted to share that because everybody thinks that we don't have power, that we don't have influence. And I would say, that the hairdressing community in most communities is the most powerful resource available to get the job done, to create awareness and to raise funds. Oof. Well, well put, When um, Speaking to that influence that hairstylists have, um, there's a certain amount of responsibility and influence that educators have. Um, so in terms of the Paul Mitchell schools, uh, there's been lots of discussion, even on this very podcast, about it being more inclusive in terms of education, that hair texture be prioritized across the spectrum versus a single spectrum. I'm curious, you know, in the spirit of collaboration and evolving, um, how has the Paul Mitchell schools responded to some of these calls? It's a great question. And and first of all, awareness is key. Mm. Uh, I I would say not just the Paul Mitchell world and not just the beauty industry. I would venture to say and hope to say that the entire planet is doing better than it was two or three years ago. Mm. Awareness, again, is key. It's like, oh, I, I thought I was doing pretty good, but I apparently I'm not. Or or I'm doing really good, but you know what? I could always do better. Mm-hmm. That's a sentiment that we need to have as human beings. That's the sentiment that we need to have as companies. And so you better believe um, as a, an education company that enrolls over 12,000 students every single year in our 100 plus Pumichel schools, you better believe it's time it has been time and we've been doing this, but could we do better? Absolutely. In fact, um, we just spent, gosh, over a million dollars uh, shooting our, our new texture app, which comes out, I think, in February. Mm. Gosh, I, I have team members listening to this right now. So yeah, oh, he's say, getting we- this all wrong. He doesn't know what he's talking about. You know, We can correct the record later. Exactly. You know what I say is I, I don't know the answer, but I know who knows. <laughs> I love that answer. And I use that a lot. But what I can say is I'm the one who put out the million dollars. So I can tell you that that the, the, the budget has been uh, spent and we're always doing everything that we can to update and educate. You know, I also believe that that to attract the best talent is the best way to go. Mm. And so we we want to be the type of culture. And if if you and I have time to talk about culture, I have a feeling that it's every other word that I use is culture and the, <laughs> and the importance of that. But having a culture that is attractive, and when you are attractive, you attract the right talent. And mm. and so we want to be an attractive company so that the best of the best talent, covering all different types of curriculum, including texture, uh, want to come and find a home with us. Uh, well, speaking to that attractiveness, um, what is the sort of vision for Paul Mitchell Schools as you head into the future? I mean, you've talked about the investments that are being made, things like apps, education curriculum that's being updated, um, the role of beauty schools um, in the future. How is Paul Mitchell responding to that? What, what are you guys doing? What's cooking um, as you are all sort of working towards changing the space uh, for the better as, as students are asking for more? 
Oh, an- another great question. You know, uh, we've seen, again, since the pandemic, we've seen this mass exodus. Mm. Uh, people just across the board of every industry quitting their jobs. Yep. Uh, somebody, somebody once said that the pandemic was like uh, God sending the entire planet to their room. Everybody go to your room, take a time out. Yeah. That's what happened. <laughs> Figure it out. <laughs> and when we came out of that room, so to speak, there were people like, I'm not going back to that life that I had. I hated that job. I hated corporate America. Yep. You know, I pursued that career because that's what my parents wanted me to do. That's what society expected me to do. And so you saw this mass exodus, people quitting their jobs, and they didn't even know what the the the, the backup plan was. Mm-hmm. But what happened through all of that is there was this huge surge uh, with enrollment of people wanting to enter the beauty industry. All of a sudden, enrollment is skyrocketing. Why people wanted to come back to their first love. Mm. I always wanted to pursue that, but I was shamed for wanting to be a hairdresser. You know, screw that. That didn't play out for me. Uh, I'm not happy. And so all of a sudden, all these people are joining the beauty industry. But let's let's think about that. They're not 18-year-olds signing up for beauty school. A lot of them are are 30 years or 40 years. Mm -hmm. They have children. They have a mortgage. They have responsibilities. Now they have to keep their job, but pursue beauty school at night or whatever that schedule looks like. And so my very long answer to your question is uh, we have to be flexible. Mm. So that's what that is, what has happened. Uh, Is it ideal in in our world that the number of hours in California and in Texas lower to a thousand, not, not necessarily, you know, because tell you the truth, I I would like to have them for more time Mm -hmm. because I feel like what's on our list of the, of the, the, the curriculums and the trainings and the insight that we want to provide for them, both on the technical and the artistic and the business side uh, is much longer than a thousand hours, but okay, then we will adjust. Mm -hmm. We will be flexible doing what we have to do in order to make this career opportunity available more to those who really, really want it. Mm. Well, uh, exciting to see that again, this experience that you've had decades honed through um, coming to bear in terms of evolving for the future. Uh, So again, thank you for a little bit of that insight, because I think people don't necessarily have that always. So that's an interesting thing that we're able to do here on podcast, because often the guests are hairstylists that are talking about different things um, and not this aspect of the, the industry, which is so important. And, and and what can happen from the other side is they can be, you know, very, very critical. You know, salons are saying, you know, schools aren't doing their job. And I and OK, I hear that, too. Mm-hmm. And yes, we can all do better. But then my next question is, when was the last time that you volunteered in a beauty school? Mm. Well, they haven't called me. Guess what? They're not going to call you. They're not going to. Well, I mean, you talked about that at the very beginning. You can't wait for that phone call. So I love that. And they're not going to pay you either. <laughs> you know, why don't you get in there? I never paid Van Council one penny for him to jump on a plane and teach in my school, mm. right? I never paid Vivian McKinder. I never paid Sam Bricado. And, you know, the, the, but the best of the best, why? Because you create an environment, a culture, where the these hungry, brand new hairdressers entering the beauty industry, they want to learn from the best of the best. And so that's that's my challenge. Not that you asked the question, but, you know, what can salons do? Call your local beauty school. Mm. And you could be so critical of them. Well, they need to remodel. They need to hire better team members. Okay, all of that might be true. But I can guarantee you that even in the worst beauty school, there is talent. There is some young kid in there 
who he or she, they have potential, they have passion, they have a drive, and they're looking for that mentor. So why not be that person for them? Mm. So if I were a stylist and I'm nearby one of your schools, how might I be able to get involved? How do I volunteer my time? What does that look like? If I were to say, I do want to make a difference. I am interested. I want to make an investment of time uh, to sort of pay it forward to the next generation. Are there opportunities for a stylist to be able to do that for Paul Mitchell schools? Absolutely. You know, what's so funny is, is uh, that's such an important question. And so we've gone deep into providing the answer. And so we have laid it out. You want to get involved in a school and, you know, come and spend time in our school. Here are 10 different things that you could do as an opportunity to just be visible, just show up. Because mm. a lot of times they stay away. They're like, well, I couldn't really teach a class. I'm not really good at public speaking. I don't know what I would talk about. You know, I don't really have the time. Okay, you're not good at that stuff. Well, how about this? How about this? And and here's what I want to say. If you have one day of experience working in a salon, guess what? You have one day more than every single student sitting in my school right now. Mm. Meaning with that one day, um, you can be a mentor. Mm. You know, I'm 22 years clean off of drugs. When I had one day clean, that meant I could now turn around, be transparent and be a mentor to somebody who has zero days of being clean. Wow. And so I think all of us, I think that we sell ourselves short. We, we think that we don't have, you know, they, no, nah, they don't need me. We play small mm. and playing small on any level. Who does that serve? It serves no one, especially ourselves. And so if I, if I could do that shout out, call the local school. Doesn't have to be a Paul Mitchell school. Call any school and say, you know what? Can I just show up and bring cupcakes? <laughs> And just kind of hang out in the school and just answer some questions. You know, can I just hang out and, you know, get to know your students? Can I just show up and maybe there's an opportunity for me to do a little little haircut demo or maybe I can just come in and talk about our salon and what we do and, and how I could best mentor you. Bottom line, you have to show up. Just be visible. So we've talked a little bit about, I mean, we just did, um, ways in which you are calling for people to help build culture. Um, you've talked a couple of times about culture and the importance of of making it um, something that people want to participate in. So, so give me some insight into that. Um, again, 40 decades or 40 years, excuse me, not 40 decades, 40 years of experience in this industry. How are you helping to, to cultivate um, a group of people around you that are willing to build versus maybe tear down? Okay. Dang, you're really good at your questions. <laughs> Again, what we had talked about earlier about collaboration, Mm -hmm. quit thinking that you have to be successful all based on your own efforts. Mm. You name any successful person, however you define success, whether that's being a parent, whether that's making money. uh, I don't know one successful person, including parents, who achieve all of that success all by themselves. Absolutely. So just realize first, number one, collaborate. You need to bring out the best Mm. of the best of the people that you're surrounded by. But understand that there is a culture happening, by the way. See, culture happens when two people come together. When two people come together, automatically there is a culture. And we have to decide what that culture looks like or what it feels like, or it's going to be decided for us. Mm. And oftentimes the the culture that can happen in a salon, in a barbershop is one that's toxic. True. It's based on drama. It's based on gossip. It's based on 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 not supporting or collaborating each other. Oh, and by the way, does the customer pick up on that? Yes, they do. Yep. 
Yes, they do. And so, so decide what do you want that culture to look like? Because what you value then needs to show up in your behavior. So people say that they value health and wellness, uh, but they never go to the gym. They drink and smoke heavily. Mm. They don't eat a good diet. They don't get enough sleep. Well, if you tell me that you value health and wellness, but you don't do any of those things, the end result is low self-esteem, low energy, low success. Same thing applies to to creating a culture. If you say part of a healthy culture, which, by the way, our customers want to belong to, they want to walk in and feel teamwork. Mm -hmm. Well, that means that as a team, we have to we have to communicate. We have to communicate in a healthy way. We have to have fun with each other. We have to create a place where it's safe. In fact, I know I'm giving super long answers, but I try to boil this down to make it real, real simple. In every company, there has to be a culture where we address three basic human needs. Number one, people need to feel safe. Mm. If they don't feel safe, do we bring out the best in them? Absolutely not. And they say 50% of people who quit their jobs did so to get away from their boss. Yep. Did so to get away from a toxic culture. Oh, and by the way, those who quit are not the best stylists. They are the worst employees mm. that stick around. The best, they quit. They move on. Why? They know they deserve better. The worst employees, they know that they're lucky to have a job. Mm. So people need to feel safe. Number two, people need to feel that they have a purpose, which is why we do the fundraising, and I could expand on that. And number three, people need to feel that they belong. 60% mm. of people say, no one has my back. Mm. Oh, and by the way, half of them are married. <laughs> Can you imagine? They don't feel like they belong at home, but they come to our salons. Either they work there or they get their hair done, and yet they feel like, wow, I belong here. I feel safe here. This is where I want to hang out. Wow. Uh, I mean, those things are so important and things that maybe people don't think about enough, um, but are fundamental to sort of how we ought to engage with each other. Um so we just talked a little bit about uh, things that people could do to be living more sort of health conscious, um, taking care of themselves in ways that then are supportive of taking care of others. Um, that's sort of individual. It's like a me and my decisions. Um, however, this is a big industry. Um, your schools, for example, educating thousands of people um, as part of a bigger, bigger, bigger and bigger um, sort of network. I'm curious your take on the extent to which our industry is sustainable um, and what are things that we can do to be more sustainable, um, both at the sort of systems level and then individually. There's been such a major change in the beauty industry as a whole um, from the time that I've joined the industry. Mm. Uh, since I've joined the industry, uh, almost every single product manufacturer has sold. Yeah, Many of them have sold multiple times. And so who knows who owns them? Yeah. <laughs> and you talk to a lot of people say the culture completely disappeared yep. when, when that product was sold. I used to love this culture, but now we got bought by some yep. huge big conglomerate and now it's not fun anymore. Mm. They don't care about us anymore the way the original founder did. And so, so that was a major change. Remember in the day, my gosh, there were major hair shows happening all the time in every single city, multiple times a year. Mm -hmm. Well, that's dwindled down, right? Distribution has drastically changed. And when you consider that, that it was manufacturers and distributors that provided the majority of the resources for education, mm -hmm. right? Stylists, they need training. 
because the, the solution to burnout is training. And we need to train, 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 train. You're talking about s- sustainability. People think that what's going to sustain us or what's going to sustain us is more creative ideas. Uh-uh. Creativity should be a very small part of that sustainability. But usually the majority of the time and energy goes into creating something new, a, Innovate, yep. a new idea, a new product, a new systems. Uh-uh. Create is a small part of it. Training is a, is a huge part of it so that you can then sustain. And the sustained part is asking the questions. What happened? Is it working? If it's not working, let's, let's go and adjust a little bit. Uh, let's fine tune. Let's tweak it a little bit. Do we need more training? Are people uh, refusing to do their job, which is an attitude mm-hmm. thing? And we can address that or they can't do their job because they don't have the resources or the training. So let's understand why it's not working. But usually when something's not working, what do we do? We just scrap it, throw it out away and then create <laughs> something new. So all we're doing is create, 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 and nothing is sustaining. Mm. Mm. Well, so how how then um, someone who's interested in sort of mindset shift, um, they're not in uh, the position of going back to beauty school. They're an established you know, salon pro. Um, they want to be more sustainably minded. Uh, any advice as to how they could sort of embrace certain behaviors or, or things um, to make a difference? Yeah, join groups. Join, join clubs, join a networking, start a networking group. Mm. You know, I love when I talk to people like, uh, you know, Candy Shaw in Atlanta, Icon. you know, famous, incredible woman, but, you know, a third generation, very successful salon owner in town. And she talks about this network of salons in the Atlanta area mm. and they all get together on a regular basis. And what do they do? They share best practices. Mm. You know, what a horrible way to live your life that I'm not going to share my ideas with the salon (laughs) down the street because they're my enemy. I would never want to live that way. Mm. I'd rather have 10 good salons, 10 good schools as my competitors than 10 bad schools, 10 bad salons. And so when you hear from Candy that they all collaborate, they have agreements with each other. They don't hire each other's or or poach each other's uh, staff members. Uh, again, they they just cry on each other's shoulders. Mm. If you don't belong to a group like that, then start a group like that. Maybe it's only you and one other salon owner, but you're creating such magic and such good yeah. within your community that more want to join and be a part of that. Not everybody does. Not everybody wants to play with you, and that's okay. <laughs> but do find those that do and focus on them. Mm. Mm. Well put. Uh, talk to us a little bit about, before we get into our quick takes, what is most exciting to you about, as you look into the future for this industry that is, again, continuing to evolve, and you have been part of helping to evolve alongside it, um, what gets you excited about sort of where we're headed as an industry? What a lot of people would consider like, oh, this is really bad news, like like the pandemic was, oh, that was really bad, or mm-hmm. you know, all the changes that are going on, there's so much uh, evil on the planet right now. I have the right mentors and the right friends in my life that teach me otherwise. Mm. For example, yes, there is a lot of naysayers out there. There is a lot of uh, bad players and evil people out there. But whenever that's happening, it forces other people to go into therapy, to go into their own healing. Mm. And what's happening for as many bad players are that are out there right now, there are more people who are in training to become healers. And so we're going to see, and we're already seeing it, 
a large, large army, if you will, of healers. Why? Because the planet needs them so much. I'm a better person than I was three years ago. I really am. Mm. I'm a better person than when I was a drug addict 22 years ago. Right. And so I want my influence. I don't cheat on my spouse. I don't I don't cheat on my taxes. You know, I'm a good human being. I give back. I'm a really good dad. I'm I'm the room parent in her classroom at school. Right. And so I feel like I have a voice to share because there's a lot of bad voices out there. So why not? We how about all of us step up with our good voice? And so, yes, there's a lot of healers. But then the other thing that's happening to answer that question about the beauty industry I looked at the pandemic like a forest fire. Whenever there's a forest fire, um, trees, everything is destroyed. But what's left in its place, soil, ground, Mm. better ingredients or sediments, or I guess I should have studied that part of my... (laughs) of my speech of what happens. But I do know, like, I think they said that that 30% of all forests is dead trees, dead brushes, uh, bushes. And what they need is a forest fire to clean that all out because now the, the soil is more fertile for new things to grow. And so when you consider that the pandemic, it did wipe out salons, it did wipe out restaurants, it did wipe out some businesses, but then all of a sudden there's that empty... Uh, space, that empty building where there was an established, you know, restaurant that had been there for 30 years. And now the the, the landlord is forced to uh, lower the rent, which now gives an opportunity to a brand new chef yeah. to come along. And I have an idea. They probably never could have opened up a restaurant prior to that. But now there's an empty space and now there's there's new fertile soil for something new to grow. Same thing's happening in the salon industry. And so there's opportunities right now. There's opportunities for people to say, you know what, that's 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 my dream. I feel like I have a good heart. I'm a good person. I'm honest. I'm integral. I'm not I'm not here to screw the industry. I'm here to create something good. And now there's opportunity for that. We have to look at it that way. We have to. Ooh. Because the opposite is that things do not happen for a reason. No, everything happens for a reason, the big things and the small things. And the reason is always for our good. So let's just look for the good. So yeah, maybe some scary things happening in every industry, including the beauty industry. And you could choose to focus on that. I choose to focus on what's the opportunity. I, I this, this happened to me personally so that I could be a better dad, a better human being, a better spouse, mm. a better son to my 96 year old mother, right? So I, I learned those things, um, but what's the opportunity for the beauty industry? Mm. I could I could cry that oh my gosh, there's not distribution anymore with products. Oh my gosh, you know that show doesn't exist in in New York anymore. No, find the opportunities or create the opportunities. Ooh, what a motivator! Uh, I feel like people are really going to latch onto that one, particularly. Um, so again, thank you for that. That uh, the the insight here is so incredible because. As you said, there's a lot of stigma around this industry. There's people that are being discouraged from doing it, or it's sort of cast it aside, like, oh, you really want to go into hair? And then again, someone like yourself who's had this much in the way of longevity, talking to all the things that have happened and the things that can happen. So exciting. Um, when before we let you go, we are going to do our quick takes. And these are the questions we ask of all of our guests. So I want you to think about it just for a couple of seconds, lay it on us. Um, hopefully we have a little bit of fun. The first question that I got for you, 
What is the first ever beauty product that you remember having to have? Is this supposed to be a professional beauty product? No, no, no. It could be. I mean, it's the thing that like really stuck with you. You talked about we were consu- we're all consumers. So like, what was that first thing where you were like, this is going to make a difference for me and I need it? Oh, okay, good. Okay. Because I remember, well, obviously um, I had hair back in the day that, <laughs> that I'm reminiscing about. Um, you know, I was not, uh, again, barely graduated from high school, which meant high school was not a good experience for me. And I could go into that rant about why it wasn't a safe place for me and why it wasn't a good experience for me. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you're just trying to find ways to fit in. And somehow I thought, oh, my God, it's, it's about my hair. My hair needs to smell really, really good. Mm-hmm. Remember that shampoo? What, what what was it called? Something like, gee, your hair smells terrific. Like, that was the name of the shampoo. Oh, my God. Gee, your hair smells terrific. <laughs> and I thought, if I buy this shampoo, it's going to totally change my life. Yep. Oh, I mean, we've all been there. Let's be real. Maybe not with that shampoo, but it tends to be that <laughs> thing that we latch on to. And that's going to change all, everything for me. But you know what? There are there are forty year old very successful businesswomen who have that same sentiment. They have that same thought. Oh my gosh, I need that shampoo. Gee, your hair smells terrific. Or I need that new skin product. Or I need that new service. Mm-hmm. And absolutely, it's going to make a difference. It's going to save my marriage. It's going to help me feel better about myself. It's going to uh, make me uh, hireable. I'm going to get that promotion. And you better believe everybody in this planet has that little thought process. Oh, for sure. For sure. All right. So I wonder now, I mean, we ask everybody, are you superstitious? And if so, about what? I'm not superstitious. I didn't think you would be. No, I'm, I'm, I'm not. <laughs> and, um, you know, I don't have like a magic, uh, you know, a favorite number or a, uh, a number, you know, Marie Osmond here, I'm dropping names here. Marie Osmond's a, a good friend of mine and her, her lucky number is 13. You know, she was hmm. her, she was born on the 13th. Uh, her, she had her first hit record when she was 13 years old, went to number one. And so, you know, so she, she loves the, the, the number 13. Um, so no, I don't really have any kind of superstitions. I have a friend who, who owns a, a house that, that was built in 1757 and it's full of ghosts. And I love all of that. I mean, I, I I have friends that won't even step foot in that house, and I've had ghost experiences, and I I love all of that. Um, but you know, I guess I am. You know what? I know what I stay away from because I I know I, I'm a very energy sensitive person. Sure. And what I mean by that is, whomever I'm hanging around, I will start to take on their attitudes, their ideas, their moods, and so I know if that's superstition. I don't know if that's the definition, <laughs> but I know. It's not, you know, black cats. It's not, you know, the 13th floor of a, a building. Um, it's it's people. There's there's people that I, I absolutely have to stay away from. Uh, I mean, I think we can all relate to that one, too. Uh, <laughs> who would play you in a biopic of your life? And I feel like this could probably happen for you. I mean, you've got, a again, a long track record in the beauty industry. You made a big impact. Dream casting. Who might it be? You know what? That's so funny. Um yeah, funny. Yeah, funny questions. I have no idea, but I do know that it would have to be somebody who who has the credibility off screen. Some gravitas, you know, because you know all of us have met those those superstars. You know, like a a hairdresser. Oh my God, I just want to meet them one day, and then you meet them and say, "Gosh, that was a little disappointing." Or 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 celebrities let down, right? You know, I mean, I I've been fortunate that the celebrities that I have worked with, both inside the beauty industry and outside the beauty industry. For the most part, you know, I'm I'm always pleasantly surprised. That's not the other way around. 
Um, I can't even remember what the question was, but oh, oh yeah, yeah. So whoever <laughs> that person who's going to play me, they would have to be just as nice, incredibly nice mm. offstage. Again, a good, a good, a good father, a good son to their aging mother. They would have to be a good spouse that that doesn't lie and cheat. They would have to be all of those things offstage as much as they are playing that role on stage. All right. Well, we hope that that actor is out there um, and that they can fill those shoes for you. Comfort food. What is the ultimate for you? Like what when you are feeling down and you really just need to be shored up a little bit with something to eat? What is it? Oh, that one's so easy. It's key lime pie. Oh, I don't know. I love key lime pie. And you know, what's really funny is, uh, Jeffrey. So I, and I have to stop telling this to people because last <laughs> Christmas, you know, people are like, Oh, what do we buy when, you know? Uh -huh. Oh, I know he loves key lime pie. I had about 20 key lime pies in my freezer. Like they just kept <laughs> on arriving and they were like the best key lime pies on the planet. People went up in each other. You know, people were having them shipped from the key lime capital <laughs> of the world. Right. And, and I had like a freezer full of key lime pie. Some good company, um, some good friends <laughs> and fam. That's amazing. All right. So our last question before we let you go, say that you're on a deserted island. You can only bring three beauty products with you. What are you bringing? I'm bringing an overall moisturizer. Excellent. That I can use everywhere. Okay. So I can use it on my head. I can use it on my body. I can use it on my feet. Yep. You know, I, and, you know, I just, I have some really good habits and that's one of them. Moisturizing. Key. Key. Yeah. Moisturizing. I, yeah, I just, I, you know, that's, that's key. And, um, you know, beyond that, even John Paul, you know, DeJoria jokes with me. He's like, you know, when one day you might want to learn the names of my products, you know, <laughs> you, you sort of represent the brand. Yeah, and so maybe, you know, maybe one day you could, I know. So, you know, the, the, the cool thing about John Paul uh, and the entire Paul Mitchell company is they're not a jealous manufacturer. You know, they, John Paul loves the fact that, you know, Aveda will invite me to come and speak at their conferences or Tony and Guy or, mm. you know, whatever. And I, and I love that because, you know, we, we, we go anywhere. I'll, I'll go anywhere that somebody invites me to that didn't come out right but i'm not answering your question either so let's just go with moisturizer i just need a good oh and because of this head absolutely i gotta protect this head of mine so so any 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 spf that's gonna um you know keep me safe then then I, then that's number two so I, I came up with two excellent better than better than none uh when a pleasure before I let you go, where can people, if they're interested in learning more about Paul Mitchell schools, more about you in terms of you coming in speaking, perhaps, um, again, you've given me a lot to be motivated about. Um, I'm, I'm sure that people are, are interested. So how the heck can they get in touch with you? Um, all through my, my website, which is winclaybaugh.com. Easy. That's also all of my social media is the same winclaybaugh. That's Instagram and Facebook. And let me just promise to people that if you do come in and follow me and visit, you're never going to see anything negative. Hmm. You know, I'm not running to Jerry Springer show through my social media. It's <laughs> I don't, I don't allow those people to have a voice on my social media and you're only, only going to see positive, wonderful, uplifting information. Mm. And we could all do for a little bit more of that these days. Uh, when a pleasure, thank you so much for joining us on volume up podcast. Great time. Again, my pleasure. You're very, very good at what you do. Oh, thank you. I, I, I've listened to your your podcast in the past. I love that you guys have given a, a voice and a, and a positive platform uh, to the beauty industry. It's making a difference. And 
you know, more and more people should be doing exactly what you're doing. So thank you so much. It means a lot. All right, Jeff. So, I mean, there's a lot to unpack there. What a storied <laughs> career. What an interview. Oh, what a treat. I mean, I can see why he travels extensively and is an incredible speaker, inspiring many over and over again. Thank you, Wynn, for joining us. Be sure to hit subscribe, rate, and review, and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok at Read the Tees and send in questions or pictures of your kitty cat to volume up at thetees.com. Volume Up is a Tease Media production. This episode was produced by Monica Hickey, who you heard from on this podcast, a rarity, and Madeline Hickey. Brian Daly is our editor and audio engineer. Thank you to Josh Landowski and Nathan Folks for the custom Volume Up theme song. And thank you to our creative team for putting together the graphics for this episode.